You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Friday the 13th of October, as foul a day as we've had for a long time here in TW11, absolutely hosing down, and that'll have a significant impact on the state of conditions at tracks around the country. It'll be fine for the jumpers at Chepstow, less suitable, perhaps, for City of Troy and his pals in the Dewhurst Stakes at Newmarket tomorrow, which is the feature race of the weekend, alongside, of course, the marquee handicap, the Cesara, which, on that note, later in this show... We'll be hearing from the man who rides City of Troy's potentially biggest threat, Iberian Tom Marquand, who also outlines some big international plans, both for him and for his wife, Holly Doyle, and rides that she and he have picked up in the Melbourne Cup and the Breeders' Cup, respectively. Uh, plus, as regards the Irish Cesaro, which I'll be talking to trainer Emmett Mullins, who's 10-year-old uh, hurdler chaser. Well, he's a bit of everything. The shunter is amongst the market leaders for that race, and I think he quite fancies him as well. He also brings us news of his Grand National winner, Noble Yates, on the theme of the Grand National, which was discussed heavily in the second of the two podcasts yesterday. I'll be catching up with jockey Carl Llewellyn, who rode two Grand National winners in party politics and Earth Summit and now assists Nigel Twiston-Davis. He tells me what he thinks of the changes to the race and to the course. Plus, we tidy up the reaction to yesterday's news that Frankie Dottori would continue his career in the United States. Not quite such a, a hectic news day today, but still a story of great significance, which was that uh, the ARC and Jockey Club winner Ace Impact would retire to Arrow de Beaumont uh, with immediate effect and would start covering mares in the 2024 season. I'm going to get Jane Mangan's thoughts on that very shortly, but first of all, uh, let's check in with Mathieu Alex, who's the stud director at Arrow de Beaumont. Uh, Mathieu, what's the level of excitement at the moment at, at the prospect of such a special horse coming to your stud? It's, it's fantastic news, obviously, for a young farm. You know, it's a farm that has been created a year ago. Uh, you couldn't dream of a better better start. The farm was all about CD Way to start with. You know, CD Way was dual group one winner, very exciting horse to to welcome on a new farm. And when um, uh, Ace Impact won the the, the Pretty Jockey Club in very very impressive style, we straight away we were considering you know purchasing some part of it. And the 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 owner Serge Stepniak very kindly agreed. Um, we knew he was a very very good horse. Now he's a true champion, and it's very very exciting. Uh, what do you think are the characteristics that breeders are going to be drawn to? Because we can see what he's like on the race course. He's clearly exceptional. Jean-Claude Rouget is wheeled out every superlative imaginable for him. But when it comes when it comes to a commercial breeder's perspective, what are they going to see and want? I think the most important thing about this horse, Nick, I'm just back from Newmarket. You know, many breeders um, were, were pointing to that is that... It's, acceleration is, is extraordinary you know he's able to uh, the way he quickens makes him very 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 special yes he has run beyond um, a mile and a, you know minor quarter and plus but the jockey and the trainer said we could have gone a mile no problem very easy to to keep with a strong pace he's very relaxed you know in his races and when he quickens he's just unbelievable he's a very very good looking horse he's from the Frankel Galileo sire lines makes him very very attractive also um, and he's just a champion and do you think, I mean, this is a, a slightly um, unfair question, but you look at his own his own pedigree, does his own uh, bottom line, uh, damn line, make sense for a stallion? 
It's a very, very interesting point. But, you know, um, Cracksman was, he's out of a pivotal mare. So he's, this horse got a lot of speed and it's quite extraordinary. You, you, sometimes you're wondering where that's coming from. All I can say is that the, the dam was black type. She's produced two, three black type horses. It's a very solid um, race horse. He's producing family. And this horse will make his own pedigree as a champion. In terms of mares that you are, are likely to get to him, do you have any idea, first of all, of which names you're likely to get, which star names, if any, and how many mares you might get? Is, have you got any kind of rough guide at the moment to, to, the, to the demand? The demand is going to be very high, Nick, for sure. You know, we, we, before the horse was announced to retire to stud, we had so many phone calls, so many emails. Um, people from all over, you know, Europe are very interested in him. Uh, so we're, we're going to be careful and we obviously have, we appreciate a lot, you know, the support we're going to get. This horse will have no excuse. He's going to cover good mares from all across and, you know, then it's up to him. But it's it's a very, very exciting position to be in. And you've been in this game a, a long time. You you really, you know, understand the, the rudiments of the breeding game. When you bring a horse like this to stud, how do you go about setting his fee? You have to consider the, the country where he is. You have to consider the market, obviously, the sales, you know, very, very important. The, the fee has to be fair, Nick. And the, the way I'd like it to be is that, you know, when people, you either like the horse or you don't, but when you read about his fee, um, you, I want people to say, okay, it's fair, you know, and the, and the phone has to ring. Then after that, it's, it's going to be probably a headache that I would have to deal with everyone, but it's a good problem to have. But we have to be careful, you know, it's, we have to consider the context we're in, um, the sales and everything else. So, yeah, it's it's a very important decision to take. But you know, we're we're in the in, in the process um, now to to finalise this fee. And you know that you know those of us who who love to watch him were craving more. We wanted him to go to Japan. We wanted him to race on next year. Of course, we did. Uh, it's a very very de- delicate balancing act. Just talk to me about that from from your perspective about knowing when to retire a horse and whether to consider racing on at what point they become too valuable all i can say nick is that the shaboob family and and serge stepniak also more more importantly they are racing people they are they love the game they love racing they love going abroad you know it was it was it wasn't an easy decision believe me um it's probably going to be one of the best horse they've ever had so they were very keen to race him on but we have to be realistic. The horse can injure himself. He doesn't deserve this. You know, he is a champion. He's won two extremely important races. He, he won in very, very impressive life, style, the, the Prix de la Triomphe. What else could he do, you know? So believe me, we, we thought for hours and hours and days and days what we're going to do. And I think it's a fair decision for the horse, mainly. Mathieu Alex there from Ara de Beaumont. Jane Mangan joins me today. Jane you can understand the commercial realities of it, but there's a little bit of you that can't help feeling a little bit shortchanged. Me somewhat. Um, he won a pair of Group Ones. He started running in public in January, and he finished in October. He's not the first, and won't be the last horse to do that. But all the way through, he displayed brilliance. He retires unbeaten. Uh, I did hope that he would go to Japan, or that we would see him at least one more time. But uh, yeah, look, I, I I don't want to sit here and say it's a great shambles and they shouldn't have done that. He's retiring as the second highest uh, ranked horse in the world behind Equinox. He's the highest rated horse in Europe. Uh, I can see exactly why they're doing it. And we saw two days of 
awesome ace impact and that day in Paris was one of the best performances we've seen in quite a while. I mean, to what extent do you think the fact that he, he hasn't got a brilliant pedigree inform this decision? I if his if his pedigree was right out of the top drawer, would they be able to wear a little bit more risk because you know he needs to finish almost with that unblemished record to 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 attract as many mares as they can to him. I wouldn't say so. Um, I'd say they just want to to finish his career on a high, and they probably thought if we go to Japan and win there, are we actually achieving any more than what we did by beating a strong field in Paris? So I I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think his his unique selling point is that uh, insane turn of foot that he demonstrated over 10 furlongs and over 12 and um yeah when when i when the news broke yesterday i almost it occurred to me had that not already been announced you know it, it was almost like it was a foregone conclusion in my head as it was so um look it's i know people will you know express their views that for racing these horses should race on but it's a different ball game when you're dealing with uh, a horse that is of this caliber and i suppose of this value and we've often seen connections be brave. Like I remember last year um, saying Videni wouldn't stay. Videni being the brilliant Aga uh, Khan horse. I didn't think he would stay in the arc. And then he ran Alpinista all the way to the line over a mile and a half, despite showing top class ability over a mile and 10 furlongs. They opted to keep him in training and thought, oh, this is going to be amazing. He's going to be European champion this year. And it didn't happen in two runs for him. And now all of a sudden... People are thinking, oh, Vidini, but he's going to retire next year, not retiring at the top of his game. And people are going to say, oh, well, this they're going to start cribbing him. Don't forget that that horse, if he retired at the back of last year, like Ace Impact is doing now, he would have been at the peak of his powers and everybody would be talking about him in a positive light. All right. Well, if all goes to plan in tomorrow's feature Group 1 Dewhurst stakes at Newmarket, we'll all be talking about the prospect of of city of troy's stallion career after what hopefully will be a an equally glittering three-year-old campaign Uh, can wet weather and bad ground halt this apparent superstar jane well we don't know that he doesn't handle it and justifies even though you would say dirt horse in america shouldn't handle heavy ground they have shown versatility when they've when they've encountered it. Um, but it is a good race. I think Iberian is a top drawer horse. Um, I was in Tats last week for Team Valley uh, buying the brother. They obviously wanted to stock up on that. Um, and I, I, I think it's, I think it's, a, do you think it's a bit of a shoot off between the top two or do you think Al Yanabi is a, a realistic chance? So if there is a horse in the race who I think would be heavily ground contingent, it's Al Yanabi. I, I would, I would, consider not running him i think if he was mine if the ground was soft i think he he's shown that he wants it decent uh, and he's from a family who are all fast ground specialists and i thought he absolutely bounced off it last time i think he's a very very talented horse alianabi um but it's just a question of whether he gets his conditions and jane you were describing iberian as a top draw horse let's hear what his jockey makes of him tom marquand yeah i mean obviously he proved um that he's a very high level and uh, coming into the weekend, it sort of it, it, he's left us very excited for for what may be to come. Um, but it's a you know it's a it's a tough race and a tough race for good reason. And um, you know he'll 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 have to be an exceptional horse to to go and win. Exceptional is a big word. 
can you conceive of him in that bracket based on what you felt so far? Yeah, I mean, the, the performance at Doncaster was extremely impressive. Um, obviously, you know, it was pretty horrid old ground and we didn't really see many horses going and bursting on uh, in the manner of which he did to go and put a race to bed over that meeting. So uh, I think you can upgrade him for that. But um, I think, you know, he, he still felt like he was he was learning a bit. And um, yeah, I mean, I think his, his turn of foot was there for anyone to see. So uh, if, if, if he can go and do that on a slightly different track, um, yeah, I mean, look, he, he, he absolutely deserves to be there. Um, Putting his uh, putting his hat in the ring for a, for for one of the major two year group ones. I mean, is he? And you raised an interesting point about the track and a slight lack of uh, of track craft, if you like. Is he streetwise enough for the undulations of the Rolling Mile? I think so. Um, you know, I've ridden him. I've ridden him at home a couple of times now, and um, he's a he's a very balanced, straightforward horse, and uh, you know that that that's gonna uh, play. Uh, big to his strengths uh, for tomorrow, but uh, the rain the rain we're getting is going to just slow everything down a touch. And uh, whilst I, I, you know none, none of us believe that he needs the soft ground to perform, I think it's it's one of those that um, if anything swings an advantage, it would be that. So uh, as I said, you know, City of Troy looked a very good horse winning the superlative, and it is going to be uh, no. Uh, easy task to to beat, but um, I think if ever if ever there's a day to sort of uh, be confident um, in our fellow, it'd be that you know they're, they're coming off a 90, 90 day break, which I know is not um, not monstrous, but it's enough when we've got match day sort of practice on our side. Um, Tom, I, I know we're reaching the point of the season where you're starting to think about what you might do uh, when when the British Turf season finishes. You were planning to head to to Melbourne. Is that is that still in the in the offing? Yeah, we're still uh, still planning for that. I think it's it's going to be a busy week, and um, we've we've both got plans to go to the, the Breeders' Cup uh, straight to Melbourne, and then actually our uh, Japanese licences start on the on that Saturday. Uh, following the Melbourne Cup so um, it's going to be a pretty quick hop across um, but yeah I think uh, by the sounds of it Holly's picked up a good ride in the Melbourne Cup uh, in future history uh, that won, won last weekend which is pretty exciting and um, yeah it's all it's all shaping up to look like it could be a productive winter. So how did just tell me I mean I really ought to be ringing her but um, how did that how, how did that come about? Um, she was, uh, to be perfectly honest, my my sort of usual agent, Sean Flaherty, down in Australia, um, that I use when I'm in Sydney, has been on the job for both of us, and um, uh, I think I think he's he's only down to carry uh, seven stone mm. twelve or something. So obviously, riders are um, you know limited as to who can get aboard, and and, and Sean uh, was pretty sharp on it, and um, yeah, it's 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 exciting, obviously. Uh, Peter Trainer's a English English based owner. Um so yeah, it's nice nice to be able to um have, have got Holly aboard that horse. Mm, well that's great news. So Holly Doyle riding future history in the Melbourne Cup and you're gonna be on something. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's one of those I suppose the racing this weekend and next weekend could um sort of just change people's plans a bit and stuff like that. So I'm hoping something might arise but it's uh, it's one of those. It, it's it's obviously it's it's one of the biggest group ones of the year, and everybody's dying for a ride in it. And, mm. and obviously, then you have the weight restrictions added too, in that 
there's actually not not a big selection of horses that are sort of um, in a way a category that I could ride. So uh, it, it's I'll be on the hunt and <laughs> hoping and praying something falls my way. Yeah, definitely. And you're both at Breeders' Cup as well. I guess Holly's on Bradsell, isn't she? In the in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the plan at the moment. Yeah. And have you got anything lined up? Uh, currently, I think the plan is um, Big Evs is heading over there uh, for Mick Appleby. Um, so, you know, he was obviously great at Doncaster, the same same meeting as Iberian. Um, and as far as I know, it's all systems go for him. So, um, yeah, ex- ex- exciting, exciting month ahead. Mm, some great rides. And then and then off to Japan. It's actually just striking me that you, you'll actually be able to spend a bit of time together when you, you go abroad. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they don't get much in England. We do not. No, it's um, it, it, it's one of those. You know, it, obviously, we we both love riding here and being here, but it's uh, it's busy and it's intense, and and we're usually at opposite ends of the country. So uh, it's nice. It's nice to have a period together where, obviously, in Japan, you ride Saturday, Sunday, and and ride out Wednesday, Thursday. So you actually um, get an opportunity to. Uh, live and breathe something other than racing for a little while which is which is nice Tom Markman there and and perhaps Jane just a last word on tomorrow's Dewhurst and City of Troy and what you're expecting he he seems to have promised the world you and I have this ongoing bet that everybody's sick of hearing about but and I'm hearing murmurings around the countryside that this could be one of the best uh, juveniles that uh, Ryan Moore has ever ridden so he uh, has and actually said that in public but I'd be interested to see if he can put in a performance that is worthy of those words all right and have you had a, a look at the Cesarewicz tomorrow the, the big handicap god and I haven't no <laughs> well, at least you're honest uh I'm I'm currently at the transition between National Hunt I was looking at the nice National Hunt card tomorrow yesterday getting warmed up for it uh, anything decent uh, without discrediting any of them, no. But wasn't it a joy to see Manila Indo back to form with Rachel the other day, jumping uh, her arrivals into submission and then getting the the juices flowing with the prospect of conflated Delta work and himself all reposing back in Down Royal in two weeks' time. Uh, did you think the other two ran any kind of a race? When I saw Manila Indo clear, but not exactly scampering up the run, and I wondered if it was a, just a race full of horses who needed it. Yeah, I'd say a little bit like if you and I ran a race, now we might just uh, might just happen in slow motion. I think you're being very generous to me there. The good news as regards tomorrow's Cesarowicz, the big handicap at Newmarket, is that I can enlighten you, Jane. You may not be able to enlighten us. I can enlighten you by welcoming to the show Emmett Mullins, the trainer of the Shunter, who is amongst the market leaders, is better known as a very, very good hurdler and chaser. Has he got the right attributes for this? I asked the trainer. Yeah, no, um, I suppose the Cesarish is an ultra stamina test and um, he's uh, got good jumping background and uh, hopefully um, he should fare well in it. And what gave you the idea to, to do this? I mean, obviously it's something we know Willie's done very effectively over, over the years, but when did you think, hmm, nice big flat handicap could be his? Um, God, I can't even remember when it was. It was, it was about 18 months ago yeah. he... Um, he ran well in a nice um, flat race. He won in Maiden in Sligo, I think it was. And uh, it ran well in uh, conditions race in Killarney. And um, we taught the stay in handicaps at Sutton. It was fourth in last year's Irish November handicap. And um, 
we've gone for a, a bigger stamina test than Newmarket the extra two furlongs. You limbered him up with a, a spin over a mile and a half at, at Goran Park. How much did he need that run? He would have come on plenty for us. Um, but uh, no, I was impressed. Uh, he was able to hang in there with them. Uh, it was a muddling race. They went to slow gallop and um, he came up the straight home straight as good as anything from behind. All right, so you've got high hopes of the shunter. How are you getting on with the best of the best of the jumpers at the moment? When are we likely to see some of the good ones out? Um, be another few weeks for the the best of them to come out. Um, we're just starting to turn a few screws now, and um, uh, no, everyone's in good order, and and uh, no, we're happy and excited for the season. Um, when are we likely to see Noble Yates? Noble Yates probably won't be out till the next year in the new year kind of as such um, he had a hard season last year we took in a gold cup a grand national and a grand steep so he had an extended summer break and uh, he's only back to me in the last few weeks and um, it'll be it'll be the new year before he's out so do you do you think that he will benefit from an extended break that he just needed freshening up a bit that he that he was just sort of getting a bit jaded yeah, look, he, he can't, uh, they're not machines and um, we'll be looking to target those autumn races again and um, uh, he he ran his race in those races last year. He's placed in a uh, gold cup in a Grand National and was sixth in a Grand Steep. Um, so um, I'm just to uh, target those races and um, we'll uh, bring them on to them softly. And, and I saw you, you ran Ferrin Lily the other day, didn't you, at, at, at Galway? And, and he was beaten. But can he can he move forward from that? Yeah, hopefully. Um, so the conditions of the race suited very well. It was the winners of one chase. And that would have kind of uh, enticed us to go for it. Um, but he jumped well. Uh, only for jumping on the heels of the winner or the second or the third, even at the... Second last, he would have been a lot closer, and um, no, hopefully he can progress from that, and um, we might see him in uh, Down Royal for the second season of his chase up there as well. Emmett Mullins there, high hopes of the shunter, but a news that Noble Yates won't be seen till the new year and Ferranilli likely to head to Down Royal. And interesting, we should mention Ferranilli because if you go right the way back, he was one of three horses when he'd been trained by Elmarie Holden, who was subject to a positive clenbuterol test, which ended up with uh, Elmarie Holden getting a €3,000 fine after an out-of-competition inspection. And clenbuterol, uh, in a point-to-pointer, has been very much in the news this week, Jane. This isn't new, this story, but it's one that I know you wanted a word on because you feel quite strongly about it. This is the case of Fleming's Face, who was a a purchase uh, to Lucinda Russell's yard from the uh, Tattersall sale at Cheltenham. And Tattersalls have taken the horse back and refunded Lucinda Russell, the horse having tested positive for Clenbuterol when under the care of uh, his previous trainer, which has thrown up all sorts uh, of questions. And as I say, I know it's something that you wanted specifically to revisit. I did indeed, because it's a story that's capturing um, a lot of conversation over here. And I'm not going to bore the listeners with a terrible amount of detail. But basically, Alan Ahern, handler, point-point handler, trained Fleming's face to win a five and six-year-old maiden on March 22, in March of 22. He did not uh, request a B sample. He accepted the findings of the A sample. 
he was informed before April 10th that of the uh, of the findings of the A sample, yet knowingly allowed the horse to run in a cork bumper um, for Michal Griffin, that bumper which he won, and then also knowingly allowed the horse to be sold at Tattersall's Cheltenham sale on April 20th. So despite knowing that his horse failed the vet, uh, failed a test for clenbuterol uh, in March of 22. The horse went on and won a bumper on April 10th and was sold for 100,000 sterling uh, 10 days later. Now, in my in my opinion, Alan Hearn has had due process and he has been sanctioned. He's been fined the 1,250 euro and he's had his handler's license suspended for six months. So a handler or anybody licensed under the IHRB is always held to account. But I would implore the IHRB to reassess their strategy when dealing with cases of this nature. Now, Niall Cronin, the communications manager for the IHRB, said that the IHRB play no role in respect to the purchase or sale of horses. However, any trainer with a horse which has returned an adverse analytical finding is advised that they should notify the prospective owners should the horse be put up for sale in the interim. And um, he also said that that Alan Hearn was advised of his next steps and until due process had been completed, there was no restriction on the horse running. I would just my suggestion, I would suggest that the horse should should have been essentially frozen. That horse, regardless of whether due process had been concluded, should not have been allowed to run in his next race. In, in Cork and absolutely should not have been allowed to be sold. The IHRB's function is to protect the integrity of the sport and yet this was an open goal. They knew that this horse had an adverse analytical finding and he was going to be disqualified from the point to point thus was also going to be disqualified from the bumper and yet they allowed him to run in the bumper and be sold. In the interim, the horse has had effectively six months for his new connections in the UK. Fortunately, he hasn't run and he hasn't got injured or something is, hasn't happened in the interim. And he has been returned to the sales house Tattersalls because he sold a Tattersalls Cheltenham. But the IHRB should have intervened, in my view, after the first failed test in the point to point. And until the process had been concluded, the horse's passport should have been frozen in my eyes. I think this was... A case of it happened in a point to point, we'll just move on. But what if, for instance, this happened? Well, a Curra maiden horse goes to massive boutique sale, makes a million, runs at Ascot, and then six months down the line, oh, he actually failed um, that maiden at the Curra, and everything is void. Yeah, and, and I think to be honest, you're not you're not a million miles away from that here either. I know it's all very well saying it's a it's a point to point, but it. Point to point in Ireland are, you know, as we as we all know, they are a a major trading centre, uh, and it's a a, a, a full blooded industry, and it's going to do. I think I think Peter Skudamore was spot on, and I, as I say, I know this is old news, but I think he was absolutely bang on when he said it undermines your confidence in what you're buying, and that's not going to do any good for the people who are producing and consigning these horses perfectly legitimately, because everyone thinks, well, you know, how much of this is going on is for example, the use of clenbuterol actually pretty widespread uh, when when people are training young horses. My way of looking at it is, I think 
they can sanction they'll sanction all the parties they need to sanction because they are licensed under their their governance but the, the governor themselves the IHRB should probably look at how they deal with this process in the future the world is a small place horses get sold to Hong Kong America all over the world and it shouldn't matter if it's it's a, a localized if it's for five thousand pounds or five million pounds the I don't think a horse this this shouldn't have been allowed to happen and I'd be very disappointed if they don't take a look at this and say let's make sure it never happens again well, yesterday's news that the field size for the Grand National will be reduced from 40 to 34 has, as you might expect, garnered mixed reaction. Positive reaction from the likes of Barry Geraghty, who won the Grand National on Jane's dad's horse, Monty's Pass. Also from Sandy Thompson, whose uh, Hill 16 was killed in the race this year. You heard from Lucinda Russell, dual Grand National winning trainer, who was very positive about the changes on the podcast yesterday. Uh, not everyone has been quite so positive. Uh, and although Ruby Walsh, who won the race on his father Ted's Papillon, and also on Willie Mullins' Hedge Hunter, was backing Aintree's decision, his father uh, was not. And he said that this was um, the next step in the abolition of jump racing in the UK. I wonder how Carl Llewellyn feels. He won the race twice on Party Politics and Earth Summit. And this was his take on it when I spoke to him earlier today. Um... I'd be agreeing with what Ted Walsh said, mainly. Um, I think we're, we're, we're going the wrong direction, and I'd be disagreeing with a lot of the people who, who are pro for it and, and have to keep changing. Um, there's so much room at them fences. They're so wide that, you know, that most courses, per room per horse, you've got more in that race than in, in, in nearly every other course in the country because um, they're so wide right so it kind of begs the question and I put this to Lucinda yesterday do the jockeys need to take more responsibility are they not being responsible enough when they're riding the course well because the fences are uh, completely different now to what they were they they feel like a lot more can go down the inside and occupy a, a similar position when the fences were more um substantial they they would spread out to give yourself more room um and you know if you were on a jumper that you didn't have a complete confidence in you'd you'd, you'd give him more room and give him every chance to have the best view um that doesn't happen so much anymore because the fences are uh yeah they're not they're not they, they don't command so much respect as they used to have mm. um and is, is it right i'm i've been read that the, the other races of the national course with less runners have had more problems than than the national itself um you know with with 20 runners and 24 runners and them sort of things um that's what i've read i haven't haven't um looked into it and whether it's been confirmed or not but that would tell me that it's not the it's not the amount of runners that's causing the problem okay so uh, i do think that I do think that moving the start or the fence close to the start is a, is a good thing to get less speed up um, is a good thing. One amateur rider who said they'd ridden in, ridden round there only once said that, you know, obviously an amateur's are, you know going to approach it slightly differently, said they went flat out uh, over about the first two or three to try and establish a position. But a lot of the senior riders were saying yesterday that actually if you get one jumped 
soon you will then find your rhythm and you won't then go flat out between one and two i mean you're perfectly positioned to to, to tell me which of those is 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 the likelier occurrence yeah i, th- I think the, uh, the first fence being close to the start is, is definitely a good thing you, you people do seem to r- rush to the first and a, a longer running you do get momentum up more and horses getting up sides and taking each other on and and you get going quicker and quicker so um that that's a definite is that um once you get over the first you do then relax a little bit and the horses can relax a little bit and and they they, they stop taking each other on so much stop racing each other so um that's that's a definite um, before I let you go, I can't let you go without talking about a couple of things to do with the yard you're most associated with, Nigel Twiston Davis. Um, first of all, I'm I'm so sorry to to hear about. I, I like to move it the other day. I know how much everybody loved him, and that must have been a huge blow to everyone. Yeah, massive, massive to the whole yard, um, and to Laura Scrivener who looked after him. You know, horrendous for her. She was. Um, he was such a lovely horse he was very kind and he, he was always with it, wanting to please and he was no trouble he just got on with his work he was just a, a complete gentleman of a horse and so um, in a way it's harder to take when they're, when they're a very nice person um, and he always he always did his best and gave his all and um, you know as we all know the, the staff who look after them are the closest to them they, they spend a lot of time with them and, and for her she, you know, she's absolutely devastated and um so yeah, it's a it's a terrible blow for any horse, you know, um, let alone a, a very good horse. And uh, yeah, everything has been has been going so well uh, as well. You know, it, it came in the in the middle of a an unbelievable purple patch for the stable, and the horses you know, eleven wins from your last thirty runners. That up to that point, the mood of the yard must have been vibrant. Yeah, I mean traditionally they, they you know they we always have a good. Uh, probably our best, most successful spatters at the start of the season this sort of time. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he jumped so well at home, he'd schooled so well and he'd been working very well and so it was quite a surprise when he when he hadn't jumped so well on, on his first run. Um, but, um, you know, this is racing and, um, and and we have to accept this happens, don't we? It's, it's, um, it, it can be um, a dangerous sport and, and sometimes... We have these sad results. Carlo Ellen there, uh, and broadly Jane Mangan in agreement with with Ted Walsh about the changes to the the Grand National. Ruby Walsh not in agreement with them. Um, you've worked with both. Where do you sit on this debate? Are you for or against? Um, I'm not against. Look, I think this was you. You didn't think it was inevitable. I did. I thought that this was their opportunity that they that they've been waiting for for quite a while to, to implement. Um Ted Walsh used wise words. He said it's the erosion of National Hunt racing. I think it's just the erosion of the race. Well hang on, hang on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pick you up here because you can't on one hand say you're not against it and then said Ted Walsh used wise words because Ted Walsh is massively against it. Um, so you can. His words were measured. His words were measured in that he wasn't saying this is a you know disaster. No, this is slow. It's like glacial pace erosion of the race. But I can see why it happened, and I can see it happening again in the future. And you asked the question: If every time there's a fatality in the race, is there going to be a further picking away at the fiber of the race? But look, um, Suleika spoke really well. 
she covered all of the, the the questions that I wanted to have answered when I was listening to her interview with you. And uh, yeah, it's it's not a surprise to me. And whether it'll change the race massively, probably not in that like people will still have their views on the race. The minority who are against the race will never be satisfied until it's gone anyway. And if it makes the race a little bit safer, then I'm not against that. So you're for it. You're for the change. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's fine. <laughs> um but ted walsh it's, was still... it's, it's a little bit like you you need to you need to get vaccinated do you want to get vaccinated no uh okay i think i see where you're coming from so you can you can not like vaccinations but not be an anti-vaxxer that's what you're saying i think the people listening now are like geez move on probably and and the, if, if they are then they definitely don't want to talk about frankie dottori but i want to ask your opinion uh, about his decision to continue racing in america and the reaction to yesterday's news, more specifically. Yeah, um, a little bit like the Grand National um, reducing their numbers. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't surprised by anything I heard in his interview with you on the pod. Um, do I believe that next Saturday at Ascot will be his last day riding in the UK? I don't, because why wouldn't Frankie Dettori ride at Royal Ascot next year if... Wesley Ward or indeed anybody with a top horse has a horse and rings Frankie Dettori. So, um, yeah, I, I think we'll see him back on, on the UK shores as well. Um, even though you're saying that he'll, he'll ride out his career in the US, he'll still be in demand for all of the major international races, which I'm sure will encompass the UK. Yeah, I, I'm I'm puzzled by, by some of the reaction to it, I, I confess. I... I... I realise that, that the story has run out of gas for a lot of people. And I realise that, quite understandably, people are somewhat fatigued, as indeed I think he is now. But I, I think the idea that he's been, in some way, pulling everybody's leg this whole year is is wrong. I mean, appreciably, he's been considering the American move since the summer. The one thing that you know, everyone, all the smart asses yesterday on social media were there saying... Oh, it's not exactly a surprise, is it? You know, 101 shot goes in and so on and so forth because there'd been a rumour doing the rounds for ages and we all knew that, that he was going to take up a a, a position in, in California for the winter. But I was genuinely surprised that it was it was lock, stock and barrel upping sticks going there and riding indefinitely. You know, when he said three months or three years to me and then said it to Lee in the Racing Post. That that I, if if anyone's saying they thought that was going to happen, they knew that he was going to go and do a permanent move and ride on all the circuits all year round for as long as his body and mind felt like it. Then good luck to you because you've got a great foresight. Yeah, but I don't think it really mattered to anybody who was who was thinking that he was going to race on where he was going to race on. Does it? Um, I'd say when he did a few interviews throughout the year suggesting that if a big offer came in, he would consider going, staying going. That kind of told you all you needed to know because that meant he kind of wanted to stay going. And why not? He's having a tremendous season. Um, is there any element of him that might think, God, I wish I didn't start this whole farewell tour now? That might be crossing his mind, would it? Well, I, I sort of hinted at this point yesterday as I was talking to Dave about it on the on the first of yesterday's two podcasts that if he hadn't started the farewell tour in the first place, he wouldn't have gone to California last winter. Had he not gone to California last winter, I don't think he'd have been in the right frame of mind physically 
or mentally. Sorry, I don't think he'd have been in the right physical shape or mental state to achieve what he's achieved this season. I think that absolutely reset him and gave him a new lease of life. And I think that, you know, ironically enough, has what's prompted him to go back there. So had he not started the farewell tour in the first place, I don't think we'd be in this position. And I think his career would have kind of dwindled or fizzled out to a to a rather more uh, watery conclusion. Yeah, well, we don't know that. That's a little bit like saying, you know, that he was going to go to America. He, he is riding this year like a man that has nothing to lose. And that is, in you know, in a lot of cases, like that brilliant Mustadaf ride in, in York. That's a little bit like the magic that Frankie of old used to produce. But um, yeah, I, I when I listened to it uh, and it was interesting to hear it in his own words. Um, yeah, I sure look, he, he'll hopefully be seen all around the world and his fans can continue to enjoy him. All right. Have you got a tip for me? Yes. Three o'clock today. I wonder will the rain keep falling at Newmarket because I do like, like should have been a ring in the seven furlong um group two contest i think pogo's already a non-runner and there might be a few more before the the card is out but should have been a ring ran awesome at uh, france last time she's been placed on so many occasions this year i hope she gets her head in front of three o'clock today all right jane thanks so much for your time um best of luck this weekend good luck to ilang ilang this afternoon as well in the in the phillies mile are you hopeful you don't really mean that I do. I've, I've I've tipped her in my column today. Have you? Yeah, that should that should stop her. I thought Aiden sounded very confident. Uh, I I don't think he's. I'm not as confident as you seem to be. So let's see. Well, my logic was that she was ridden just as far off the pace as Shiwari was last time. Shiwari's half the price, and uh, I thought that she was crying out for the extra furlong. There you go. So fingers crossed. Uh, for you and for Ilang Ilang in the afternoon's Phillies Mile at Newmarket. Cracking racing today. We welcome Captain Teague, the Cheltenham bumper third, back to uh, his hurdling debut at Chepstow, which I think is going to be very, very soft this afternoon with the, the wet weather everywhere. Jane, thank you. Don't forget, Charlotte will be back this evening from nine o'clock, and I will be with you again on Monday. But for the moment, that was Friday the 13th of October. Bye-bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.